John chapter 6 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. The last announcement I'll make is if you're visiting with us, there is a tear-off slip on the bottom of your bulletin. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know that you are here. Uh, and there's an opportunity for you to put a prayer request on the back. Uh, we would love, our staff would love to just uh, lift those prayer requests up to the Lord on your behalf. John chapter 6 is where we're going to spend our time, verses 25 through 40. John chapter 6, verses 25 through 40. Last week we jumped into the I am statements of Jesus uh, with I am the resurrection. And this week we're going to continue in our series on the I am statements of Jesus. John said it this way. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what, what, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in Him who He has sent. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, but I said to you, that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should... Lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is God's word. Amen? Amen. Ever heard of the program called Scared Straight? This is a crazy program, and and actually, it's been going on for years and years and years, and they've actually made a television show out of it. Uh, this program takes troubled youth, and they send them for a day into a prison, into a jail, so that they can see what it's like. And the whole idea is that they would go in, they change their clothes, and you're responsible to put on the uniform of a jail inmate, and they sit face-to-face to hear testimonies of those who have made poor choices and landed themselves in prison. And these, these inmates tell them about where their rebellion against their parents will lead them. These inmates tell them about where their gang memberships 
will lead them and, and where their uh, substance abuse will lead them. They, they, they tell them all these stories about here's the path that you're on and you're headed into destruction and death and I can tell you firsthand. And the whole purpose of this program is to give those teens, to give them the truth. The whole purpose is to enlighten them and to give them the truth and to tell them that you are headed in the wrong direction, you're headed toward death, you're headed toward destruction. The whole purpose of the Scared Straight program is to give the truth. It's to give the truth. And it's so crazy to me that you see these programs and these teens, they, they walk in and they, they, when they first go in, they're a certain kind of way. They're bold. They're strong. But once they see the truth, they crumble before the truth. Once they experience the truth, it changes everything. Because the truth hurts. And then you see these bold and strong teens, they're, they're weeping. They're asking for their moms. They want to get out of there. They they saw how small that jail cell was. They heard the testimonies of the isolation and being away from families and missing the holidays. And they heard the truth. And when we come to our text this morning, that's exactly what Jesus is sharing with this crowd. And what he's sharing with us this morning, Jesus is giving truth. Jesus says, you will come face to face with truth. Jesus is in essence saying, if you don't embrace this truth, your life is headed to death and destruction. He gives them truth. And it's not easy truth. It's, it's, not, it's not easy to swallow. But the whole purpose of this interaction that Jesus has is to give them the truth. I want us to see three main ideas this morning. We'll see that Jesus ought to be sought out for who he is, not simply for what he can do. We'll see that as crazy as it may sound, Jesus points to himself as good news. And lastly, we'll see that accepting the bread of life gives us assurance that we're his. Before we dive in, uh, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time together. Father, thank you that in Christ alone all our hope is found. Father, thank you this morning that we can gather from different places, Lord, from different backgrounds, from different families, with different stories, because of what you did, because of the truth. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I pray that by your Spirit that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear all that you would say and do. Lord, would you just eliminate all the distractions of what we have to do after this time together and the lunch that we're going to enjoy after this time together. But Father, would you allow us to hone in and to focus on what you would say to us this morning. Speak to us, Lord. Lord, we need to hear a word from you. Lord, we need to be spoken to. We need to encounter you this morning. Lord, for I know that there are some who have walked into this place with heavy hearts, and we need to to know that you are the burden lifter, God. So, Lord, would you speak to us? 
Would you have your way this morning? In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Remember what we said of the Gospel of John. It is one of four biographies of Jesus. And if we really want to know about Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, we go to his biographies. They tell us of his life. It's a story of the life of Jesus. And what makes John so unique is John's message is very clear. And as we're headed to 2016, we're already getting a glimpse of all these politicians. John is no politician. He makes his message extremely clear. He comes through the front door, and we see it in John 20, 31. We're going to continue to come back to this over and over Again, John says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I love this because there is no hidden agenda. He tells us what he wants, that, that, that we would believe and have life in his name. If you were to read straight through the Gospel of John, what you'll notice is that Jesus uses real-life circumstances to make clear, heavy truths. Over and over again, he uses real-life kinds of things to explain to us heavy doctrines and heavy truths. Think about the the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Here he is just talking about water and talking about well and gets and communicates heavy truths to this woman. And it's the same thing that happens here in our text. He's talking about bread. But yet Jesus is communicating something very profound. Uh, one of the things I love is, is that what we see in this story is that Jesus had just fed 5,000 with the little boys, five loaves and two fish. There's, there's actually, at the end of this meal, 12 baskets of food left over. This is a miracle. And the disciples, after this miracle happens, the disciples, they retreat across the sea. They head over to a place called Capernaum. And before they could even get there, three, they're three to four miles out. And here Jesus comes walking on water. And, and I can just imagine the disciples, how shooken up they are to see Jesus walking on water. They're four miles away from the sh- shore and Jesus just comes strolling out on the water. I mean, I can imagine, what the, Jesus, what, what are you doing? They're shocked. I would be if I saw just a man walking on water. There's no land around. So Jesus comes out and Jesus is like, look, just chill. Don't be afraid. Um, just chill out. Chill out. All right. Um, they're like, but, but Jesus, but you, you just, Jesus, but. He's like, chill, relax. It's just me. And they took Jesus into the boat and they find dry land. Meanwhile, the crowd that Jesus has just fed uh, on the other side of the sea, they want to look for him. Their, their hunger was satisfied. And all of a sudden they decide, well, this guy just fed us. We, we need to go find him. So they jump in their boats and they row across the sea to find Jesus. And... One of the things I think we got to see here is one of the lessons we've got to see here is that Jesus ought to be sought for who he is, not simply for what 
he can do. The, the crowd finds Jesus and they ask him, when did you come here? And Jesus responds to them in verses 26 through 27. Look at this with me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. This is huge. Jesus calls them out. Jesus says, you're only looking for me because of what I gave you. You're only looking for me because I gave you that that Gus's chicken. I gave you that one and only barbecue. That's the only reason you're looking for me. And Jesus is saying to them, there's two kinds of food. There's the kind of food that will perish, and there's the kind of food that will last forever. And I want to give you something that will last. I want to give you something that, that will allow you to never hunger or thirst again. They don't quite understand what Jesus is saying, because the crowd, they were only looking for Jesus for what they could get out of him. See, the crowd is after materialism. And Jesus' message to them is, I am much more than that. I love this. The, the western part of the world, we, we need to hear this more than anybody else. Because somehow we have gotten to the place in which we view God as our cosmic Siri, only to push a button and to get out of him what we desire. Somehow we, we see Jesus as being the person who can give us what we want and that's all we need him for. And Jesus is saying here to this crowd, no, I'm much more than that. I'm more than materialism. I'm more than just a quick meal that will leave you hungry and thirsty again. I'm much, I'm much more than that. I want to be the one who satisfies your every need. Jesus is telling them, and he's telling us this morning, I'm much more than a house. I'm much more than a fancy car. I'm much more than food on the table, though I will give you that. I'm, I'm much more than your 401k this morning. Jesus is saying, I'm much more than what you can get out of me. I'm, I'm no cosmic Siri. I'm, I'm to be worshipped. I am to be adored. I'm to be praised and thanked. I'm, I'm to be worshipped. That's what Jesus is trying to get at with this crowd. And they don't quite understand that what Jesus is offering them is true satisfaction. He wants to give them true filling in which they will never be hungry or thirsty again. Look at the description that of Jesus from the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 17. It says this, He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Even the Apostle Paul knows that we ought to look to Jesus 
for not just what we can get out of him, but for who he is. The Apostle Paul says, all things, he is before all things, and he created all things, and all things are held together. Is this the kind of person that you ought to look to just to get materialism out of? No, this is the kind of God that ought to be worshipped. This is the kind of person that ought to be adored and thanked. This person needs to be worshipped. person that Paul points us to. He's saying, don't just take, but adore Him and worship Him. It's the reason that we all dislike pimps. Pimps, they use and they abuse. Pimps use men and women only to take and, and to get what they can out of them. A pimp's job is to manipulate the, the pimp will make you think that he loves you and he'll, he'll make you think he cares for you, but his only job is to get more material wealth. That, that's all he wants. And, and what we see here in the Gospel of John is Jesus saying, you cannot pimp me. You can't pimp me for what you want. You can't pimp me to get more materialism. You can't Pimp me to get more house and to get more car. He is the kind of God who is before all things and who created all things. He is a God who ought to be worshipped. Can't pimp God. Can't pimp Jesus to get what you want. He is to be worshipped. Do you only look to Jesus when times are hard? Do you only look to Jesus... When the bills are piling up. Do, do you only look to Jesus when your marriage is rocky and on unlevel playing? Do, are you only looking to Jesus when the breakup happens and your heart is broken? He is much more than that. He is to be worshipped and adored. Secondly, we need to see that Jesus points to himself... As good news. Jesus is having this conversation with the crowd. He tells them of bread that will never perish. And their response is, how are we to do the work of God? Jesus says to them, believe in the, the God who has sent me. Believe in the one that God has sent. I love this because the crowd they question, uh, it's, it, the question that they ask is a very similar question that many of us ask today. How do we do it? H- how do we get there? How do I come to Christianity? That's what I hear them saying. How? And, and what we're really asking intrinsically inside of that question, what's there is, what do I need to do? How can I work to attain the favor and acceptance of God? And, and Jesus turns that entire idea on its head. He gives them a very simple yet profound response. Jesus says, believe. So here they are asking, what do I need to do? How do I work this thing? How do I come to faith? How do I, how do I, how do I do this? How do I become a Christian? What are you talking about? How do I do it? And Jesus says, trust. Believe. Believe in me, trust in me, rest in me. 
He answers them very simply. Look at Romans 3.28 with me. The Apostle Paul says this, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. I love this. I love this because what Paul says is, you and I cannot work for salvation. You and I cannot accomplish what Christ has done for us. Thereby, there is nothing we can do to gain the acceptance or the favor of God. The the crowd then says, how will we know? What sign will you give us? How will we know that you are who you say you are? They say, our fathers were given a sign. Moses gave them a sign and gave them manna from heaven. Jesus says to them, uh, Moses didn't give your fathers that manna. That, that manna, that provision came from God. And he says to them, it was my father in heaven and he wants to give you the true bread of heaven. Then look at verse 33 with me. I love this. Gets good right here. Verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Whew, that's good. You missed it. The bread of God gives life. He comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They still don't quite understand what Jesus is getting at. And they say, give us this bread always. Isn't that typically the response that we see in Scripture? Give us this bread always. Again, John chapter 4, the, the, the woman of, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, Jesus encounters this woman and he is trying to reveal this deep truth that he is the one that she ought to be looking for. And her response to him is, well, where do I get this water from? This water that I'll never have to come to this old well again and work so hard to pull water out. Where do I get this from? They don't quite understand what Jesus is getting at. Because what they are after is temporary satisfaction. And Jesus is trying to point them to something that is much more eternal. Then Jesus comes through the front door and sits at the table. And he says in verse 35, look at this with me. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is beautiful. Jesus points to himself as good news. He says, I am the bread of God and and I am the bread of life. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, get this, everything you need can be found in me. Everything that you need can be found in me. And if you are looking for it in a good meal, if you are looking for it in in a roof over your head, if you are looking for it in a better job, you won't find it. It will leave you dissatisfied. Everything you need is found in me. That's what he says. Jesus says, I am the bread of God. He points to himself as good news. Jesus says, hungry, come to me. Thirsty, come to me. Weary, come to me. Overwhelmed with guilt, come to me. Feeling insignificant, come to me. Lack of purpose, come to me. Everything that you need is found in him. It's in him. 
Thank you for that one clap. Somebody knows this morning. (laughs) Everything you need is found in Him. Jesus came down in the form of a man. He points to Himself as the good news. He says, I came down from heaven and Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself. He said yes to being mocked. He said yes to being beaten. Jesus took the pain that you and I should have taken. He became guilty so that you and I wouldn't have to be guilty. The perfect one came into imperfection and said yes to death. He was buried and he rose again. He points to himself as that good news. He points to himself and he says, you don't have to look any further. Look directly to me. I'm the good news. In me is everything that you need. He lived the life that you could never live. And he died the death that you should have died. He stood in your place for your sin. And then he says, look no further. Here I am. Here I am. In 2010, um, the sitcom started Undercover Boss. Uh, these these uh, executives, these top-level executives and business owners literally would come down into the entry-level positions of their companies. And this is a crazy show. Here they are. They come in disguise. They change their name. They give themselves a background. And then they begin to work these entry-level positions. And their whole purpose is to go into their own company and to evaluate how they can make it better. And they want to reward those who are doing a great job. And so they come in. It's a covert operation. And they step down from the big office into an entry level position. All to see how are things going? How can I make things better. And I want to tell you this morning, that's exactly what Jesus did. He came down from the big office. He stepped into our shoes. He stepped into our skin. And He lived the life that we could never live so that He could die the death that we should have died. He shed His own blood for our brokenness and our sin. And all He says to us in response is, believe in me. Trust. Believe. Here I am to worship in Christ alone. That's me. Come, worship me, Jesus says. He points to himself as good news. How have you accepted Jesus as good news? Have you seen him to be the good news that you really need? And the reality for us this morning is... Until we see ourselves as broken and messed up people, we will never see our need for good news. We we won't see the need for Jesus to come down. We won't see the need for Jesus to die the death that we should have died. Until we see ourselves as broken and messed up folk, we, we won't need Jesus. We won't need Him. And we won't look to Him to worship Him. Because we won't need Him. Lastly, when we accept the bread of life, we have assurance that we are His. When we say yes to Him, He assures us that we are His. Look at verse 37. He says this, 
All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, get this, I will never cast out. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I wish I could communicate this, how it struck me this week. The fact that my sin does not cast me away from a holy and a righteous God. He says, I will never let you go. I will never cast you out. I will never reject you. Through faith, you attain this eternal relationship. And Jesus says, I won't let you go. I will never cast you out. You, I won't turn my back on you. He says, because I am the bread of life, if your faith is in me, I'll never throw you out. I'll never disregard you. I'll never turn my back on you. I'll never reject you. You are mine and you are mine forever. Isn't that beautiful? Listen to Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And look at John 10:28. This is beautiful. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one will be able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Philippians 1 reminds me that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He does finish things that he starts. He won't leave you undone. When he gets hold of you, he keeps you. And he doesn't let you go. This is Jesus' message to all of us this morning. That I will finish what I start. That I won't leave anything Undone, And this ought to bring great confidence that when Jesus has his grip on you, nobody can rip you out of his grip. When Jesus has his grip on you, you can't even rip yourself out of his grip. When Jesus has his grip on you, you ain't going anywhere. When he has his hold on you, he will never let us go. This tells me that there is no ditch, there is no valley of my own sin too far enough away from Him that He cannot reach me. There's no place I could go that He can't reach me in. And once He has reached us, He will never let us go. This, this, does this mean that, that I can never do anything um, bad? Or does this mean that I can live any kind of way that I want. Does this mean that that I can do anything that I want and still be in the care of Jesus? No. Paul says, "Do you should you continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be." This is this is not what what this means. But what this means is, out of adoration and out of love, 
You long to be in right fellowship with him. You you love and you long to obey because he will never let you go. And that kind of love keeps you. That kind of love directs you and it guides you and it pulls you when you stray away. It pulls you back. That kind of love keeps you. I've always said that um, I don't want any daughters. This has just been my testimony for years and years. I just, I just don't want to have daughters. And people look at me crazy before you throw the tomatoes. Um, the reason I don't want to have daughters is because of the heartbreak that will ensue. And as a daddy, there's literally nothing you can do about it. So, and, so, but here's the thing, and I, I hear you, I, I hear you, I, I know what you're saying, but, but boys get their hearts broken too. It's just different. It, it's just different. Because if my son gets his heart broken, I, I, I'll sit him down and I say, son, there's more fish in the sea. I'll I'll sit him down and I'll say, son, you're a Davis man and we're hunters. (laughs) Son, I'll tell him, I'll say, son, you came from a family with game, son. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. I'm kidding. I'm I'm joking, y'all. But but I I, I do think there's a difference. Between the heartbreak of a guy and a, a little girl, it's guys tend to get over things much faster. Um, and the reality is, the heartbreak of my girl, it's coming. And there's really nothing you can do about it. She sees a little teenage heartthrob. And, and they've got feelings of love. And they're in serious like. And all of a sudden he turns his back on her. And she feels rejected. And, and, and she feels hurt. And she doesn't feel accepted by him anymore. That, there's really nothing that she can do about it. The heartbreak is there. But I love what John points us to is that The relationship Jesus has with us is completely different. That he will never turn his back on us. That he will never reject us. That he will never cast us aside. That he will always accept us. That he will keep us even when we don't want to be kept. That he will never reject us. Have you believed that this morning? You gotta ask yourself that question. Is that something that you hold to? Do you believe it this morning? And I just want to remind you, and maybe you, you've walked in here this morning and you've been struggling to believe that and let this be a reminder to you that He will never cast you out. That He is a keeper of those that have put their faith and trust in Him. What if you were locked away in Walmart? I know that's a crazy question, but but what if you were locked away 
If I'm locked away anywhere, if I get stranded anywhere, I want it to be in Walmart. <laughs> and, you know, some, some of y'all have problems with Wally World. But at the end of the day, if I got to be stranded anywhere from the outside world, I want to be in Walmart because in Walmart I can set up a tent, you know. Uh, in Walmart, I've got plenty of food to eat. In Walmart, they've got bottled water in there and gallons of water. In Walmart, they've got everything in there. In Walmart, there's everything. It's, a, it's literally a one-stop shop and everything that you need is in that store. So if I'm stranded from the outside world, any place I want it to be, in Walmart. And that's Jesus' entire message here. That I am the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of God. Everything that you need can be found in me. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Everything that you need can be found in Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have presented yourself as the good news. And Lord, what that means to us this morning is that we are not people without hope. But we do have hope. And we have hope in the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That you presented yourself as the bread of life. That you presented yourself as everything that we need. And Father, I pray that we would receive you this morning to be just that. That as we look at this table this morning, God, that it would remind us that everything that we need can be found in you. And Lord, as we enjoy the elements, that we would be reminded that you die the death that we should have died. You stood in our place for our sin and you didn't stay there. You rose again from the grave. You are alive and well. And I pray this morning that our faith and our trust would be in you. Now, Lord, I pray that you would bless these offerings and these tithes that we're about to receive. Lord, that because of them, people would know about Jesus. That because of them, churches would be supported and because of them, leaders would be raised up and because of them, gospel mission would go forth in Memphis, Tennessee and in West Memphis and in different parts of our city. Help us to that end. And as we give, Father, I pray that we would give out of gratefulness, not of gratitude, because all that we have belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen.